uh, Gabby Whithoff. I'm with Beyond Distance Research Alliance at Leicester. And my colleagues Diane Davies and Pamela Rogerson Ravel are going to um, speak as well. Sorry about these problems. We had it all working perfectly at lunchtime. Um, but there does seem to be some kind of buffering or something going on. So um, I'm just going to give you an introduction to the project. Um, our interest in our field is applied linguistics. So for us, we, were, we had a lot of questions about the language of audio feedback um, and how that compares to the language of written feedback. So I'll just tell you a bit of background about the actual project. If any of you are familiar with projects at the Beyond Distance Research Alliance with Jilly Salmon, you'll know that they all have animal names. Um, one of them came up in an earlier presentation in this room this morning, the Impala Project. This one is called Duckling. And uh, Duckling stands for Delivering University Curricular Knowledge, Learning and Innovation Gains. It's a JISC-funded project that we started in January of this year and goes on for two years and um, is focused on enhancing the delivery of three master's programs in social sciences. The challenges that were identified at the beginning of the project that Duckling is aiming to address were, amongst others, that all our students in these master's programs are distance students, and they all expressed a sense of feeling distant, feeling isolated. They didn't feel connected to their peers or to their tutors. Um, the perennial problem of working with mature students who work full-time and have families and so on, they are time poor, um, and I'm sure all of you will identify with the notion of time poor staff as well. Um, students also expressed a desire for a greater variety in the, um, the delivery approaches in the curriculum. So out of these... Um, out of this information that we got in our baseline survey, we um, decided to combine three technologies in this project. One was podcasting, which we'll be talking about today. And when we say podcasting, we mean audio files in general, um, not the very specific use of the word podcasting. Um, the second technology is Second Life, and the third one is ebook readers. Um, we won't be talking about those today, but if anyone's interested in them, um, come and grab me over a tea break and I'll tell you more about them. Um, okay, before I hand over to Diane, who's going to speak next, um, just to go back to the challenges, what we as linguists were thinking was, we've heard a lot of the data that we were all hearing this morning again about how students love getting podcasting feedback. They feel that they're being spoken to personally. They feel more of a bond with their tutors and so on. So we wondered whether there was something in the actual language and the nature of the language used that might explain some of that feeling. Um, and we also, obviously, were using that to expand the variety of technologies used and questions about the time it takes didn't really come into the study. But I'll pass over to Diane, who will tell you about the study mm -hmm. we've done and the preliminary findings. Okay. 
Um, right, well, I'll start with, with, uh, with this particular <coughs> slide about the podcast that we're using. It's really just a small exploratory study uh, involving, for the moment, just two tutors um, working with their individual tutees. Um, in this case, it was, uh, we were looking at audio feedback given to quite advanced students on a master's course in, in social sciences. Um, and it was on their draft dissertation work. Um, in this, it was also integrated with annotated comments on the draft dissertations as well. So the tutors made links and cross-references between the audio uh, feedback and the written feedback. Um, when we look at uh, language use um, from a sort of discourse perspective, it's useful to think of three broad dimensions. These three dimensions are closely interrelated and um, they're part of a sort of functional systemic view of language. There's the domain of discourse, which is the activity that's going on, uh, you know, whether it's an academic meeting or a research paper. There's the tenor of discourse, which is the relationship between the speaker and addressee, tutor and student, by comparison with tutor and a colleague, for example. It could be tutor and an advanced student or beginning student. And then there's the mode of discourse, which is our main uh, focus today, of course. It's, it's the, the channel of communication and the effects of that medium, whether it's face-to-face -face conversation and uh, so forth. So those three dimensions are... Uh, common to, uh, to a linguistic approach to text and discourse. Um, if we take, take mode of it further, um, because that's our focus today, um, if we talk about typical speech, we think of unplanned and unscripted language, don't we? You know, conversation, say. And there are features of, of that type of, of spoken language that... Uh, that will creep into audio feedback um, unless that feedback were totally scripted which I think most people agree would be uh, an unnatural way of giving the audio feedback so one, one of the key features of typical speech is, in, is its inexplicitness and vagueness I mean we say when we're talking oh and all that sort of thing you know that sort of thing um, also looser clause structure uh, we tend to have coordinated, lots and lots of coordinated clauses when we speak um, with ands and buts, or and so. You know, and you've written this, and then you've done this, and so you've That's again something to look out for in the audio feedback. There's normal sort of disfluency in speech, where we hum and ha. Uh, um, false starts, reformulations. We start a sentence one way, we, we complete it in another. It's not wholly grammatical. And of course, a lot of features reflecting general informality, contracted forms, non technical uh, use of language, and accessible vocabulary. By comparison, typical writing is explicit. For example, you've only got to think of something like legalistic discourse to. to uh, have an example of something very precise. It's got clear sentence boundaries because we care about the punctuation. It's got a more complex clause structure with greater subordination rather than coordination. It's, flu it's fluent, um, or you know, we draft text and then we come up with a fluent version. And by comparison with typical speech, it's more formal, generally. 
We have nominalized structures talking in uh, sort of noun structures rather than lots of clauses and lots of subjects and verbs. And uh, there's an avoidance of idiomatic language and slang, uh, for example, in an essay. Now, if you think of audio feedback uh, within that sort of dimension, you've got the domain of the feedback, in our case, is on the draft dissertations, which is a major part of the course. So in this case, the tutor knows the student has already gone through the course. It's the highlight, in a way. It's the most, probably, it's carrying the greater, greatest number of credits and so forth. The tenor, um, the tutor has to, at this point in the course, certainly relate to the student <coughs> as a, an expert, as well as a supporter. So you've got that, those two elements that in the audio feedback uh, they're trying to get across. And the question about the extent to which the tutor will speak from notes or might edit the recording. So um, as Garvey sort of hinted before, our focus is looking at those elements, the, uh, the, the linguistic choices on different linguistic levels, phonological, grammatical, lexical, vocabulary, and how they're made in the two modes. We're giving support and reducing the social distance, giving uh, negative feedback, giving positive feedback and praise. So I think I pass on to my colleague Pam on this one. Uh, we're going to start with a few examples. Uh, the first one uh, is there on the screen. Okay, as, as Dan and Gabby have said, uh, with linguistics backgrounds, we're primarily focusing on how people use language to give feedback. Um, and I've heard various comments this morning on the importance of voice and tone and nuance in audio feedback. Um, that's something we're trying to sort of analyse in more detail. Um, so we've got several examples, let's say, just from two different tutors um, giving uh, feedback to MA-level students. Um, so this first one is at the beginning of the podcast, and we just thought this was useful because it explains what the tutor sees as their rationale behind the use of podcasts to the student. Hopefully this will play. Podcasts themselves. So what I try to do in these podcasts is to add some explanation to the comments, to bring them to life, if you like, really, to add emphasis and tone. So if you have made a horrendous error, which I'm sure you haven't, then I can point you in that direction. Okay. Um, so you can just get a feel of, of uh, what the speaker feels like here. Um, one of the things we wanted to show was that how this can, um, it, it gives a different dimension, if you like, to written feedback. If you remember, these students are getting written feedback as well as audio feedback. Um, there are lots of things we could go into linguistic detail about, which we haven't got time to here, but some of the phonological things is the way that in audio feedback, the speaker can use their voice to break up the content into small digestible chunks, can use emphasis and tone to um, put across the key points in a, in a more lively, interactive way than you obviously can do in writing. Um, the use of um, exaggerations, both through voice and through lexes, things like horrendous, to make it uh, more emphatic uh, and at the same time more involved. Um, so there are various points there. 
this is a great draft research report. Um, it's obviously had um, a great deal of work on it, and you've got a fantastic amount of relevant research and theory. So the actual content that you've got is all very good. Um, I love the way that you justified your hypotheses in, in terms of theoretical and practical implications. So all of that is really good. The aim of this feedback is just to help you use all the content and hard work that's gone into your draft research report um, to strengthen the arguments um, that you've made and the justifications and the impact of your analysis. Summary of the points that I think you should address when you go back to do the amendments. There's a lot more detail. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, right, well, this one is an example of the, the uh, positive feedback, of course, and you'll note that. Here we've got the sort of colloquial words like great, fantastic, uh, a great deal of work. Um, there's no, it's hardly surprising that students find that, uh, that you know, when they get uh, encouragement through the audio feedback, that, it, it, that, that they can't miss it, can they? Because it's, it's in, the, in this tutor's whole sort of tone of voice and choice of words. Um, and you know that that in in a written version of this same pr bit of praise, they wouldn't have been the same linguistic choices. That's the point. They would have been probably more formal choices, perhaps not entirely, but certainly you wouldn't have had uh, such such a sort of affirmation of, of what the tutor felt. Um, you see the point being made about um, clauses creeping in. You can see the tutor is is thinking and and acting and uh, pro probably using some notes, but then formulating as she's going along. She's, she's saying, so the actual content of what you've got is very good. Uh, then think about things like, I love the way you justified. Uh, so again, so all of that is really good. Um, so it's very re it, it reinforces um, very effectively, uh, as uh, speech does. Um, you even have repetitiveness there. Uh, we know that she, she likes the, the research report. Um, and she's, but she's saying it several times over. Um, so I think that, that that's just an example of the advantages there. Um, Pam? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is just an example of negative feedback, and we wanted to show you um, in parallel the type of written feedback that goes to the students at the same time. So this is just obviously using the marking facilities in Word. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think you're going to be able to actually read the written comment that's parallel to the spoken comment here. But the idea was to show you linguistically how it's different. Basically, the written comment is much more condensed and much more direct than the spoken version. So we've got things like, this section's order is a bit confusing. Okay, Have a look at some research articles, etc. So a very direct um, suggestion to do something. Whereas in the written form, it's much more hedged, it's much more softened, both through the use of voice and through the use of vocabulary and language. Um, there's also the use of me metaphorical language. You need to go back and almost map out the flow of the story, so that there's much more ability to, um, to, to use a lot more nuance in, in the language, both through voice and through vocabulary, than there is in the written form. Okay? Around the way you talk about the theories of job satisfaction and the measures leading up to justifying your research questions. And I think in these sections that you can be a little bit more critical about the different theories that you review in light of the research questions that you've got. Some of the specific comments I've got in the introduction are around the way you talk. Again, 
is not very easy to you, but for you to see, but this is giving negative feedback where the student has been too descriptive and not critical enough. So again, in the written format, it's quite a direct um, response, if you like, to tell the student to be less descriptive and more critical, whereas in the spoken form, the tutor has the ability to soften that considerably and to, to use a combination of sort of colloquial forms that could be a little bit more, so softened forms, and at the same time to use quite, um, if you like, academic discourse like satisfaction, evaluate, etc. So there's this balance between rigorous academic content and interpersonal, more involved style, which, which you're able to do with this combination of spoken and written. Find the research questions that you've got. Some of the specific comments I've got in the introduction are around the way you talk about the theories of job satisfaction and the measures leading up to justifying your research questions. And I think in these sections that you can be a little bit more critical about the different theories that you review in light of the context that you want to use them for. So at the moment, the sections on the theories of job satisfaction and the measures that are used for job satisfaction are quite descriptive. And I think what you need to do is to talk about them and evaluate them in respect to the context that you are using them in. Talk about their strengths. This is another th uh, um, way of uh, approaching the, the giving of support that we came across. And it's what I would call a sort of introduction of a narrative voice. Um, and a personal a sharing of, of the tutor's own experience. The sort of thing, again, that you wouldn't automatically put in, a, in, in, in the more formulaic form of written feedback, you know, following your criteria and all that. Uh, and yet it occurs here. So perhaps we can listen to this one. The other concern I had in this section was why you'd split age and tenure into categorical groups. That doesn't seem to, to make logical sense to me because it, it, it wastes variance. There's variance within a continuous variable, like the raw data on age, um, that is lost if you split it into two groups. So, for example, everybody who's over 40 gets treated the same, um, regardless of whether they're 41 or 59. So th there's a compression of variance there. Now, I've come up against this issue in a paper that I wrote for a research journal a couple of years ago, and it's fairly easily solved, really. All you need to do is change the ANOVA to an ANCOVA, and include age as a covariate. So it still tests the hypothesis that you're interested in, but it just does it in a slightly different way that retains the variance. Um, yeah, so as you can see there, um, you, he starts off being, uh, you know, quite, quite critical. Um, you know, we've got it wastes variance. Um, it doesn't seem to make logical sense to me. There's, there's a clear um, negative comment there. Um, then uh, uh, a further explanation of why, um, why there's a problem there. And then the decision to introduce a bit of personal experience. And I think in a way that kind of incre increases the empathy between uh, tutor and, and student, possibly. Um, so that's why we, we chose that as an example as well. So I think uh, to, to, to rush on a bit then with, a, with some of our findings from this small sample, we feel that in the case of these dissertation students, and bearing in mind that it's the draft dissertation, so therefore it's formative, um, they are getting the best of both worlds with having the written and the spoken. Um, there, we felt there was uh, the sort of detail and the integrity of academic content was clearly in evidence, as I think it has been in these, in these clips, and it wasn't just a sort of informal chat. Uh, there was plenty of clarification 
an exemplification, uh, plus elements of personalization and nuance. Now, these are all things that have come up in, in other research uh, I know, and we certainly found it in, in our study. And um, just one final slide. Um, I think the, you know, going back to the sort of tenor aspect of the expert and the guide, they did a good job, we felt, in striking a balance between the two. Um, and um, taking a sort of critical discourse analysis point, uh, point of view, we felt that in a way it's empowering for students <coughs> when tutors use the two modes because the tutor has to say more giving the audio feedback, therefore it reduces the power and the distance between tutor and student and empowers the student, gives them a bit more of a say. The tutor, the tutor can't hide behind sort of formulaic uh, feedback. And, it, and that sort of feedback is particularly valuable in the dissertation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry about the technical difficulties at the beginning, and because of that, I sort of we've gone on about five minutes, an extra five minutes. So we only have five minutes for questions. If uh, so, apologies for that. Um, Dave. Hi, um, can I just ask you about the, when you lose that structure in the um, in the audio? Do you also find that your students lose the um, clarity of what's being said. Well, we haven't got, you know, we haven't done a sort of you know, feedback from students type of study on this. This is, it's been, we were just looking at linguistic features, uh, the sorts of linguistic features that we felt might account for impressions of personalised discourse or connectedness. Can I change the question? Then? Yeah, yeah. So, in what you've seen there, does it seem to you, is the clarity there in the feedback? Yes, I think uh, structurally, um, both tutors expand on a point they make. They, they use a structure like, what I'm getting at is, you know, that structure, there's a WH cleft sentence, it's called, technically, what, what you need to do is, all, I, all you need to do is, that sort of thing is, is, is a kind of expansion of, of, a, of a point they make, and, and they generally feel uh, ready to do that, I felt, especially when they're making a negative point. I think also what we couldn't play at the beginning of each podcast, the tutor gives an overview of how they're going to give feedback on that piece of work. Mm. So it is structured in that sense as well. Yeah. I, I loved your examples. And, um, I was particularly interested because of overlaps with the talk that I gave this morning where I was mm. looking more at um, yeah. the kind of the use of audio but still the language <coughs> and, and lots of similarities. I think the thing about how much more sensitive and careful you have to be in audio is interesting, but I think it's also what, it, it does seem to be the case that, you know, the slightest negative point can seem so harsh and so hard in audio, doesn't it, compared to written. But I think it's, unfortunately, what also makes, one of the things that makes audio quite tiring for teachers, you know, a lot of teachers say, oh, I think it's good, but oh, I feel exhausted at the end of it, and I think it's because of that. So it's one of the big reasons why, because they're really trying to, and minds are working overtime, sort of working on that layer as a level as well. You know, this, you know, how do I word this? I've got to be very sensitive and careful, and lots of sort of hedging, and, and it's another thing to think of, and it, it's a shame, but it's yeah. definitely necessary. Well, I, I'd like to respond to that because yesterday I was speaking informally to one of the tutors whose voice you just heard, and she was saying to me that through doing the audio feedback, imagining that student in front of her, she focused much more on the positive and felt really yes. obliged to focus more on the positive. Yes. What she did after that was she went back through all her written feedback 
and yeah. started editing it to make it more positive, started seeing how negatively yeah. it could come across yeah. to the students. Right, one more yeah. question, a very, very quick one. You have your hand. Thank oh, you. great. Um, I was just wondering if you ha can formulate any um, guidelines or recommendations on um, anything that, you're, you know, that you've found, um, such as um, having an anecdote or narrative <coughs> in particular for negative feedback, or you know, anything else that you can share. Uh, I think it's early days yet, but I, I think the point that Gabby just made that, mm -hmm. you know, making students, uh, tutors aware of the fact that, I mean, in any good communication, mm -hmm. the positive comes before the negative um, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the whole concept that, that some speech styles are more appropriate than others, particularly in, in this context. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I find it very interesting in doing this study to actually listen to others, other tutors' mm -hmm. feedback. Mm -hmm. I mean, how often do we do that? Mm -hmm. We're busy, we're just busy writing our feedback and we don't see, uh, uh, I mean, we may be second markers and things and we do see a certain amount, but um, uh, it, it was quite quite illuminating and I think that's one way of, of helping tutors mm -hmm. improve is to get them to listen to lots of different styles of feedback mm -hmm. and, and uh, think about these issues and think about tone of voice mm -hmm. and choice of words and so on. Thank you. Well, there were some great illustrations there. So can I just thank Diana, Pam, and Gabby for their presentation. Thank you very much.